Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 125. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm your host here every week when I talk to Clara from Next Step Test Prep. If you are new to the MCAT Podcast, thank you for taking some time to join us today. This is free MCAT prep for you to, to listen to while you're in your car, while you're at the gym, whatever you are doing, listen, it's free MCAT prep. Why wouldn't you listen? But why am I talking to you? Because you're listening right now. If this is your first time listening to a podcast, go check out The Pre-Med Years. That's my oldest show. It's been around since 2012 with over 300 episodes covering everything that you need to know about the application process, interviews, just, just everything that you need to know as a pre-med. Let's go ahead and dive into today's discussion with Clara talking about BioBioChem, Next Step Test Prep, Full Length 10 BioBioChem Discretes. Clara, back for some more BioBioChem from Next Step Test Prep, Full Length 10. This time we have some discrete questions, which I love because when you <laughs> when you turn that page the, uh, uh, figuratively, uh, click that button and you're like, oh, not a passage. All right. Uh, it's like, oh, I, it's, it's almost like students think they can make up time with the discrete so that when they get to the next passage, they have a little bit of extra time. I don't know if you feel that way. I, I think so, actually. Um, and I think even more than that, it's just a mental break. You know, the passages are very intimidating, just like from the second you hit next, um, you just see this sort of wall of text. So I think it's like a really good feeling um, to just mentally be able to take a breath. Yeah, I, I think the AAMC should uh, should test more discretes and less passages and see what that does. <laughs> a lot of standardized tests do, it's like yeah. the DAT, PCAT, but yeah. looks like we're out of AMCAT. luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks AAMC. Yeah. Oh man! All right, so uh, leading off here, question twenty-seven. If you want to follow along at home, go to mcatpodcast.com. Find the show notes for today for episode 125 the the blog post specifically for this episode and you can download the handouts right there and follow along with us take notes right on your paper uh question 27 in what order do electrons move through the etc now the first thing is ooh, etc oh the electron transport chain i think that's right is that what it stands that's for right. all right yeah that's right Whew. I mean, that's like a basic one, but I'm like, oh man, it's been probably 25 years since I've uh, thought about the ETC. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so in what order do electrons move through the ETC? A, from carriers with lower reduction potential to carriers 
with higher reduction potential, B from carriers with higher reduction potential to carriers with lower reduction potential, C from carriers with stronger proton binding capacity to carriers with weaker proton binding capacity, or D from carriers with weaker proton binding capacity to carriers with stronger proton binding capacity. So the, the first realization is that A and B are directly opposite and C and D are directly opposite. So we just need to figure out uh, which one A or B, C or D we want to choose from and then we're kind of at 50-50. Um, mm -hmm. But that is uh, uh, something that I'll let you talk through. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so first of all, that's exactly right. This is um, what we have sort of been starting to call like a two and two question where two answer choices um, go together and then the other two go together as well. Uh, and so it makes it relatively easy to just eliminate two right off the bat if they're, say, not relevant. Uh, and here, if we look back at the question stem, we see, okay, it says, what order do electrons move through the ETC? Mm -hmm. uh, and then A and B are talking about reduction potential, which is actually the tendency of a compound to gain electrons. Uh, so A and B are relevant to electron transport, but C and D talk about proton binding capacity, and mm -hmm. that um, and that's not going to be relevant to the electron transport chain. Nice. So yeah, so right off the bat, we're between A and B. Um, and Ryan, do you want to take a guess? Uh, I I think it's isn't it always from higher to lower? Like everything in life is higher to lower, but I, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> it's the other way around. Oh man, lower to higher. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In in uh, life or in this question? In this question. Okay. In life, in life, you're right. I think B B does tend to make more sense. But yeah, it's actually funny, right? We we tend to think even in science, oh, of um, things traveling from like high concentration areas to lower concentration yeah, areas. Yeah, that's what popped like into my mind. For sure. Uh, but yeah, A is right. In this case, it's actually from carriers with lower reduction potential to carriers with higher reduction potential. And this is just because reduction potential is a measure of how, um, to what extent a compound wants to get reduced, essentially. And so a compound with lower reduction potential doesn't have a very strong tendency to get reduced, but a compound with higher reduction potential does. Um, the higher the reduction potential, the more likely something is to basically grab onto electrons. And so here, that's what we see. Define reduced for somebody who, who may be like, oh, crap, I forget what um, uh, reduced means. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so reduce um, just means the tendency to gain electrons, basically. Uh, if you ever have heard the mnemonic oil rig, then um, you, you see that mnemonic used for oxidation is losing electrons, reduction is gaining electrons. So nice. electron transport chain, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Each compound wants to gain electrons more and more as you go through the chain. All right. We need to come up with a, a more green energy mnemonic since we're trying to get away from oil and gas. <laughs> I could not agree more. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so reducing is the the um, wanting to gain electrons, and uh, the higher reduction potential means that it's more likely to gain an electron, more likely to have that electron move through the ETC. So you could say the lower reduction potential uh, would it be right to say is is more stable. Um, it's, well, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, you could, you could say lower anything is more stable. Essentially, if you're talking about a reduction reaction, um, something that's more stable, something that's less likely to react. So yeah, in this case, something that has a lower reduction potential, uh, if there are, say, all these electrons floating around, it's less likely to react. It's more likely to stay in its original form. Okay. All right. So that was question 27. Let's go jump to 28. All right. 
Question 28. All of the following are functions of insulin except A, increasing glycogen synthesis, B, increasing gluconeogenesis, C, increasing glucose uptake by liver and muscles, or D, decreasing proteolysis. Oh, insulin's always a favorite one. Um, this one looks familiar to me. Um, so insulin, we know, released by the pancreas in, uh, in reaction to blood glucose and glucose in the stomach uh, or in the uh, digestive tract. And so it's like, okay, time to help store some glucose. And so we're going to have some glycogen synthesis because that's where the glucose is stored. So A is correct and so not right for this answer because it's an accept answer. Um, increasing gluconeogenesis. That looks fishy because um, we don't need new glucose because insulin is trying to store glucose. So that might be the answer. But let's read the other two here. Increasing glucose uptake. That's definitely uh, what insulin does. So that's not the right answer here. And then decreasing proteolysis. Uh, so I don't know what that is, but B looks just really wrong for insulin. So I'm going to go with B. B is perfect. All right. <laughs> so proteolysis, run, run through that one. So lysis, whenever you see that root, um, that suffix, you can mm -hmm. think of breakdown. Yep. So proteolysis, um, proteolysis would be the breakdown of proteins. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and then you can sort of go along with the reasoning you're using, right? Because you, you know, um, like literally the only fact you needed to answer this was the idea that insulin causes glucose to get stored in the cells and it doesn't cause the opposite of that, which is like new glucose, new energy sources um, in the body. And proteolysis would be um, like, let's say you have plenty of protein stored stably in like muscle cells or somewhere else. Uh, proteolysis would be the breakdown of that muscle to form amino acids as an energy source. And um, we don't need an ener energy source if we have plenty of glucose present in the digestive tract. So an insulin function would definitely be decreasing proteolysis. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> so, so you would see that more if you, in, if you were like in ketosis maybe. Oh yes, totally. Or if you were in some sort of state of extreme starvation. Yeah. Okay. I like you say proteolysis or proteolysis. <laughs> I say proteolysis. Um, question 29. In order to ensure approval by their institutional re review board ethics committee, which of the following would cancer cell researchers need to obtain prior to testing human cell samples taken from cervical cancer patients? So IRB, Institutional Review Board Ethics Committee. Uh, so A, informed consent of the surgeons who removed the tumors. B, informed consent of the medical oncologists that were treating the women. C, informed consent of the women who had their cervical cancer removed. Or D, informed consent is not required because the samples were obtained during a voluntary procedure. And so this one seems like a really easy throwaway. Of, of course, I, I don't need the informed consent of surgeons or doctors, <laughs> the medical oncologists. Uh, so A and B are wrong. D is just silly because oh, we always need informed consent when we take cells from people as uh, uh, we know from the um, Henrietta Lacks uh, story. Mm -hmm. And so we're left with C. We need informed consent of the women who had their cancer removed. That's exactly right. All right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a pretty easy one, but it's an important lesson, right? Mm -hmm. Got to remember to. So, so what would this fall under as far as like 
different subjects for the MCAT. This one seems like a random topic. Yeah, you know, in both the bio, biochem, and the psych sections of the MCAT, there are listings in the AAMC outline about, um, like, ethics. So here there's a listing about the ethics of biotechnology, and that would be what this would fall under. And then in psych there is a little bit more testing of ethics, um, mainly there in the, like, ethical design of, like, psych studies and things okay. like that. All right. So you could see it. Um, awesome. All right, looks like our last one is number 30. Uh, so question 30. Each cycle of mitochondrial beta oxidation liberates a two-carbon acetyl-CoA unit, as well as which, if any, other molecules? A, NADH and FADH2. B, NADH only. C, FADH2 only. Or D, neither NADH nor FADH2. Ooh, so beta oxidation. So we need to know some some pathways here. And it tells you you have the two carbon acetyl CoA. And it wants to know what else, if anything, is going to be there. And so I don't remember any of my cycles, Krebs, or uh, I don't even know the names of different cycles. So I'm going to let you kind of explain this one. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. This is actually kind of um, one of the more random or more less well-known uh, parts of met- metabolism, but it is tested, uh, beta oxidation. So beta oxidation is the oxidative breakdown of fats. So if you see like fatty acids, um, those long chains, uh, if you see their structures when you're studying, you'll, you should know that beta oxidation refers to their breakdown. And this is just the kind of question where if you don't know it, there's really not anything you can do. Uh, because the answer choices aren't really very good clues, right? They're, they're electron carriers, so NADH, FADH2. Uh, and the answer is actually A. So beta oxidation is really notable in that it produces both NADH and FADH2. Uh, so it produces both of the electron carriers that you'll see can actually be used during the electron transport chain to create energy. Okay. Cool. Anything else we need to take away from our discrete section this week? No, not not really. I think the only the only other thing that I do like to point out is even even in questions like that last one where it really was like almost entirely like you have to know it or you don't. Uh, in discrete questions, they can give you little hints in their wording. Uh, so even with number 30, which we just did, they were talking about beta oxidation. And even just from that, we say, okay, that's oxidation. Whenever you have an oxidation, you must have a reduction. So probably some of these redu- reduced electron carriers get produced. Um, so that would get rid of an answer like D, which said, oh, neither one gets produced. So uh, I just want to encourage you, even in a discrete question where it seems like you either know it or you don't, you might be able to eliminate one or two answers using the wording. All right, so there you have it. More bio biochem from Next Step Test Prep, full length 10. If you are in need of MCAT prep coming up into this new year as we're releasing this podcast episode, go to nextsteptestprep.com, check out their course. Now, if you didn't know, if you qualify for FAP, give Next Step a call. There's a process to run through and you can get a discount on their course if you qualify for FAP. So again, nextsteptestprep.com, check out their course. It has over 100 hours of videos. You get office hours five days a week, which is what sets them apart from all of the other test prep companies with their course, is you get live office hours. You can go, show up, ask questions, whatever you're struggling with, with your MCAT. That's 
the benefit. That's, I think, what makes Next Step Test Prep's course stand out above all the other courses. You get all the normal stuff. You get the books. You get access to the the Next Step's best uh, full-length exams, all 10 of them, and so much more. Again, nextsteptestprep.com. And use the promo code MCATPOD, that's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, to save some money. Have a great week. Next week, we'll be back with some more passages from Bio, Biochem Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10.